Ezekiel chapter 8. If you have your Bible, I want you to notice with me. And please, I hope you brought your King James Version with you. I hope you don't have the RSV or the Living Bible as a good news for modern man. But I trust that every one of you that have gathered here for this rally service today have brought your King James Version with you. Now, if you don't have a King James Version, get you one and junk all that other old mess that you got around the house. We need to, we need to get rid of all of those things and take a real stand for the Word of God. Now, I want you to notice in the eighth chapter of the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel had had a vision. And he saw the glory of God. And in his vision, there he saw the good things that God had blessed him with. And then God speaks to him and tells him to go into the temple. And that's where we're going to begin reading today, where God speaks unto Ezekiel and says, Ezekiel, I want you to go into the temple. Verse 5 says, Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes, now the way toward the north. So I lifted up mine eyes, the way toward the north. And behold, the northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. He said, Furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest that what uh, they do, even the great abominations that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far from my uh, sanctuary, but turn thee yet again, that thou shalt see greater abominations. And he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, uh, behold, a hole in the wall. And he said, and then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I dig in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go, and behold the wicked abominations they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of sleeping thing, an abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel, but prayed upon the wall round about. Then I heard you to turn with me to each of the ninth chapter. If you will, the next chapter, you'll turn just one page and look with me in the next chapter. You'll find that he's talking. And if he speaks here in verse 4, then the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city and through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that cry and cry for all of the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Now notice what he said. He said, I want you to set a mark upon the people that are sighing and crying over the abominations that you see thereof. Now you may be seated, and I want you to bow your head for prayer. Our Father, we thank thee today for every blessing that we have already enjoyed in this service. We thank thee, our Father, for the spirit of the living God. And our Father, we thank thee as we come on this hour to bring the word of God that's our real life. Oh, how we need to see as we seek upon this day the abominations in the holy place. How we need our Father to have our eyes so stayed upon the sanctuary until we'll see that which God had have us to see. And I pray that you'll speak to everyone that's gathered in this congregation and wherever this message is heard around America. Oh, God, I pray that the fundamental church is that we that believe something, we that stand for something, will come back to holy standards and come back to the Word of God and be true to the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, our Father, for everything you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Beloved, I want to speak to you on abominations in fundamental churches. And let me say, by way of introduction, I waited for years for somebody else to preach this sermon. I believe, my friend, that I've seen in the last five years a slipping away 
are letting up of backing down among the fundamental churches of our land. You say, preacher, are you a fundamentalist? I want you to know I'm a fundamentalist. I believe this Bible from cover to cover. I thank God for every fundamental church in America. I'm not here to down us. I'm here to tell you we need to sweep around our front door. Brother, if America has a revival, it'll not come through the modernist. It'll not come through citywide meetings. It'll come through Bible preaching and Bible believing churches. It's not going to work. It's going to be through the fundamentalists. But I say to you, the only hope that America has on this Sunday afternoon is through the people that believe something. But would you notice with me, Ezekiel, back in his time, God showed him the glory. I believe a few years ago, God raised up these fundamental churches and placed upon them the glory of God. And I believe in these last few years, that God also has witnessed what he took his call. He came to the sanctuary and he looked at the abominations and the creeping things and the idols. And the word of God said he cried and he cried. And I believe every preacher in America that believes God's book ought to cry and cry over the conditions that you'll find in the average fundamental church across this land. And you say, preacher means what's happening is those people had been quiet, they didn't have the mic on them, and the Bible said they were firmly destroyed, as there was a great slaughter in Jerusalem, and brother, if the fundamental churches do not come back to where what was of the church was, I'm afraid that God's judgment is going to fall upon this person. You say, what happened? Is it the only teacher who up there, and with weakened eyes, he looks to death and sure, and he said, my Lord, here the people that believe something. Here God's chosen people. And here they are looking at idols. And they got such things painted on the walls. And brother, it was terribly detailed. And he cried and he wept and he cried. I believe that you are people. And you see the trust that Jesus is building with his idols and his sin and his I believe you ought to weave and tie the church that God raised up. The church that Jesus set upon this rock. I feel my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. As we say before I give the message that there is a church. And brother, the church that Jesus is building, brother, nothing's going to stop it. It's not going down. But God is going up. That's his way. And joining what he is. And the church that Jesus built. I Building set upon this rock, I feel my church, but the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. And with that in mind, listen to me. As we I want us to go in to the average fundamental church. I want to show you some things that ought to make you cry, that ought to make you cry this Sunday afternoon. First of all, the first abomination is a strange sound of the fundamental purpose. Did you know if you go in some of our fundamental churches, do you hear? Sound of compromise and soft soap and brother build the road and hurt nobody, hit nothing, miss everything, don't disturb anybody. But the real old fashioned fundamental pulpit used to be a sounding board, and every evil that would come up, brother, that old preacher kicker, 
and begin saying that. That old preacher wasn't a prayer, but he takes the average. Fundamental truth is that there's a sound of shooting. Don't make anybody mad. We got to build a big number. And we don't want to. It calls old Sister Highbrow, our old deacon so and so, to get his feathers. Brother, let me tell you something. We need to preach. And that was a fundamental purpose. On a sense of sound of authority and the sound of God's message. And the sound against sin, and the sound against the devil. And every time an issue comes up, brother, it ought to be we raise up. Because it's a spiritual issue. It's a moral issue. It's an issue in this day. Can you imagine how they are going in? And said, I'm sorry. I got, he went in and said, Bless God, King. I want to tell you where I stand. Can you imagine Elijah going into the court and saying, Well, Jezebel, I'm not going to hurt you and your old Ahab of a husband. Bless God, he stirred everything and all the sin in the court, Mr. Can you imagine John the Baptist coming down and so wiping honey out of his mouth and sugar came out of his hair and saying, You love the little people. Brother, he said, listen to me. I want you to know that you're worse than all springs and pipers. And he said, repent. And brother, there used to be a sound from the pulpit of fundamentalism. Let's got that old preacher would ride back and preach against him and preach against teachings and preach at the audience. And he wasn't scared either, mister. I'll tell you something that didn't make any difference whether the mayor killed him. Are the city council was guilty? Let's not even make him give us for deacons. We're guilty. He knew that he had a job of taking the old gospel and pulling the hide off and pouring salt around the bones. Amen. I'll put the preacher down in. I spent the preacher one time, and he's a gracious preacher, but he didn't want you to preach around these people. He said to me, Feed my sheep. I was a preacher down there one time, and it's a church back filler for the people in Hoganville and Hogan. And I never will forget. I was a preacher, and that preacher sitting behind me, and I got off on chewing the back of deep and snuff, wearing shorts and leaving like the devil, and he said, Feed my sheep. <laughs> and I said, Bless God, these old card playing, dancing, cutting, ripping church members, and he said, Feed my sheep. And I turned around, and I said, Monroe, it's a fat man, you can't see the eyes, you need to have some old fashioned, deep hard in the and that needs to be done in the same time. You say, preacher means. What about the abominations in fundamental churches? The first abomination is the strange sound of soothing furp that's coming from the pulpit. Number two, the second abomination in the fundamental churches of our time is the strange sight that you'll behold when you enter into the average church. You'll think you're in a go-go club. Are you listening? You'll think you're in hippie town. Oh, you say, preacher, the strange times. I want to tell you from this sad day when the fundamentalists have to take every old reprobate that comes along and say, well, we can straighten them and we can have any standards. If he wants to wear a long hair, let him. I want to tell you, bless God, that it's time we preach. Take a stand against the mafias and the men in the that needs their hearts the same. Hold it. Here's the second thing. It's time some of you preachers preach against these men skirts. Let me tell you something. Bless God, it's time some of you women, whether you're saved or not saved, realize a little decency ought to be in the house of God. And bless your heart. You shouldn't come in here and talk 
Why, you don't have to go to the massage parlors and the Google clubs and the places like that around here. Oh, you got to go to the average, uh, the fundamental, independent church. And somebody will get up. Some old sister will get up, bless God, with her dress so short it's indecent. And the beaches say, well, ain't nothing I can do about it. I'll tell you why. Because your wife, bless God, pops around in the same attire, and you can't say anything about it. Your daughter does it. And you can't preach against it. Isn't that sad, bless God? Stand up, Tom, what do you see? That's combination number two, the string sight. I'm going to tell you something else. You hold tight in your seatbelt, because some of you go sky high. It's abomination to come into fundamental church and see women with pants too tall and walk around looking like a bunch of men. And that which looks in the men in the house of God. Amen. Now, listen, God's house is a place atmosphere worse. Oh, it ain't a picnic to come in. God's house is a place of reverence. God's warehouse is a place where we're to come in to reverence him. And we ought to be sure that our lives are what they ought to be. Let me give you two scriptures, and I'll go to the third abomination. First of all, it says in Jeremiah 15, verse 2, set up a standard. Let me tell you this to you. If the fundamental church of America doesn't set up a standard in the next 10 years, if Jesus carries I don't know where we'll be. If he drinks as much as he has in the last five years, in the next 10 years, old Jeremiah could set up a standard. Brother, listen. Oh, listen, fundamentalists. We need to set up some standards in the house of one other scripture, and I'll go to the next one. It's in a minute. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. That be not conformed to this world, but be just transformed by the reason. Oh, you can't preach. God's people are to be a transformed people. We're to look like Christians. We're to talk like Christians. We're to smell like Christians. Now I want to tell you something else. Bless God, some of you come in the church smelling like you've been out trying to riddle tobacco coming. You ought to take a bath before you come in to the house of God and be clean and smell like you're the house of God. Amen. Brother, we need oh, conform not. I'm talking about people that's supposed to love something. I'm talking about somebody who's supposed to believe something. I'm talking about that is conformed to this world uh, instead of conforming uh, to the modesty uh, and the standard of the word of God. Uh, I don't know about you, but I made up my mind. Uh, I'm going with this book. Uh, I'm going to stand for this standard. Uh, hey, God, I believe it, son. Uh, we need in these days uh, to set up a standard uh, and be not conformed to this world. Combination number two. Combination number three. Strange sounds from the music department. Oh, you listen. God, we might as well bog in here and get some of these abominations out. You'll get some, somebody in the church. Well, the young people have got to have gospel rock. Who are you pleasing, young people? Bless God, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody said, we've got to have the kind of music, contemporary style, and get us a bunch of monkeys in there. And that's exactly what it looks like when you go into Africa. Fundamental church, and look in the choir, it looks like a bunch of monkeys in the choir. Did you listen to me? 
Look, I come on, come on. One old lady down the ladder said, my children have got some monkey records. I said, you better come and throw them things away. They'll end up the top of a coconut tree. Say amen right there. God help us. Oh, yeah. Somebody said, well, I'll tell you, preacher, I like that jungle beat, not me. I want to tell you, I like to go in the God's house and hear how firm a foundation. You thank the Lord. I like to hear there is a fountain filled with blood from Emmanuel's face. I like to hear amazing grace. I preach a sound that saved the rest like me. I'll tell you in the Bible, singing was sacred. And singing ought to be sacred. Singing lifts you up. Singing gets you ready for preaching. And singing is part of worship. And God helps us from the middle. Then they go out after the jungle beats of this world. Let me give you one little thing about this thing, and I'll have to go to this abomination. And that's that old grasshopper quartet you get in. Say amen right there. Bless God making love and mixing the microphone like his lipstick. Amen. Amen. You know what I'm saying. Praise God. You know how hip hopping around. <laughs> and brothers, nine symptoms are not worth a nickel to the local church. They're not worth a nickel to God. They're not worth a nickel, brother, to the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, I belong to Grasshopper Quartet. I'm ringing your number, honey. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. And somebody said, preach up. I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, it is pitiful. It's sad. Some old beetle. I'll tell you something. You can get mad as the devil if you want to. You come to the average church and the quartet gets up. It looks like Henry Mancini around there with drums and guitars and everything blast. God, you could hear them sing for the noise. And they got to have a hold of that back there. I don't blame. Listen, if I sing like some of them, I'd beat everything I could to kill all the And brother, you put it down. That's a good in fundamental churches. Somebody said, preacher, Brother Maine, what about the abominations that we have in the fundamental churches? Abomination number four. Boy, this will get some of you. The spirit of Phariseeism. The praying spirit of Phariseeism. My little Phariseeism, your little Phariseeism. And if you don't belong to this little church, you're not it. Well, I want to tell you something, bless God. God just... It's going to bless somebody besides your little crowd. And that old Pharisee running around said, I said, yeah, I've got it. Nobody else has got it. You're going to be surprised by the one of these things to wake up and find that you didn't have a monopoly on the blessings and the power and the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And you think it's an abomination if you go to a fundamental church. We're the only one in Greensburg standing for God. You hypocritical people say amen. That's right. I hear them say, where's Dr. Tilly? You ought to be around our church. Brother Bates, we, we, yeah. Hey. Well, you, have you really? You got a bunch of Pharisees, probably, and a bunch of legalists in there. And listen, it's a bunch of people that think that God will only bless them. Let me show you something. Now, let's go on, listen to me now. There's old boy in the Bible, his name was Elijah. In First Kings 19, verse 14, he got out on that tree and said, Now, God, I'm the only one that loves you around here. I'm the only one that hasn't bowed my knee to Baal. I'm the only one that's still standing to the God. Then the Holy Ghost said, wait a minute, Elijah. 
I've got 7,000 uh, that love me, uh, and I've got 7,000 uh, that don't have that old spirit uh, of holy Jew, uh, better than thou. Uh, and brother, listen, uh, that spirit of Phariseeism, uh, that free spirit, uh, is killing many of our fundamental churches. I want to ask you something. Did you say, well, I don't cheat you and come just to brag about it? Well, you might as well have a mouthful if that's all you're doing it for. You say, well, I'll tell you, brother, me. Brother Roy don't get you so. I don't know why I quit preaching on this. I don't. I think I couldn't find any scripture for it. But I used to preach against women wearing ear bars. I used to call them stop signs, stop lights. <laughs> and I used to go to Newport, Tennessee, when Brother Bob was there. And one week before I'd get to Newport, every woman in Newport, Tennessee would take her ear stoppers off and hide them. Till I'd leave town, and then they'd go back and get them ear stoppers and put them back on. Now, let me tell you, I don't care what you do. If you're doing it for some little preacher out of some little crowd, you better do what you do for Jesus and for God's glory. Well, because the Bible says it. And if you're doing it just for the preacher, why, some of you got all kind of magazines at your house. If a preacher comes and you see him, you'll say, hide them magazines. And some of you women holler, cut off at the general hospital, you know, something different. Oh, honey, pick it up the bed. Do something. Well, I want to tell you something. Let God you put it down this Sunday afternoon. If all you're doing that for is that little preacher, whether it's me, Jackson in Newport, Tennessee, or whether it's somebody here, listen to me, sir. If we're a bunch of Pharisees, and if we have the cities, that I've got it all. Nobody else is doing it. Every once in a while, I meet some old saints. They never have been to college. They never have had much money. They've been out there alone with God. And all oh, that old saint will say, preach amaze. I want to tell you about how sweet it is to get along with God. And how sweet it is to live in the secret of his holy place. And enjoy the secret of his presence. And sometimes you'll say, I don't drink cocoa, but I'm not a Pharisee. I don't smoke, but I'm not a Pharisee. And I want to tell you the worst thing in the world you can have. And one of the abominations in the church is for an old Pharisee that you'll find in the house of God. For five, and this will get some of you. Number five, the fifth abomination that you'll find in the house of God is brother sad. But it's so the fifth abomination, silly women. That's getting out of their preachings when they ought to be in their places in the house of God. Silly women. You listen to me. I'm going to say a couple of things first, and then when they get down, we're going to dig up some things today. Number one, it wasn't for the good praying, consecrated, dedicated women. I don't know what we'd do in some of our churches. Some of you men are for no count, no good. Bless God, you won't do anything. And the woman has to do it all. Listen to me. It, listen, it's not the woman's place to take the Bible at home and open it up and read the Word of God. It's your place. Oh, it's not the woman's place to take the head of the house, even at home. But listen to me. Some of you women have to. Your husband's never seen That's a shame. That's abomination. That is. And then some of you men, it's a hen pack. It's pitiful. Say amen. Give me one of them uh-ohs. But uh-oh, that's good right there. But amen. Oh, I knew after a while the world would come out with it, huh? Yes, sir. 
Just if you reach your name for this, my name's brother me. A woman has a sacred place. God took woman from the side of man. Oh, to be a helpmate. And a woman has a place. And when she's in a place, it's a blessing to be a holy. I want to tell you when the woman's out of place anywhere. When she's out of place running downtown here, listen to me, that's wrong. When she's out of place in the home, she's wrong. And when she's out of place in the church, Father, she's wrong. And it's time, preacher, sit, get up in my pulpit and tell women, First Corinthians says, chapter 14 and verse 34, let the women remain silent in the church. Verse 35 said, it's a shame for a woman to get up and speak. It means authority over man. And brother, let me tell you something. A lot of little old preachers and, and Greensboro and Atlanta, Georgia, and they got some old big jazzy bell in the church that tells him what to preach and when to preach. And it's beautiful to have a jazzy bell in the doing that. But let's come to truth. Our three things about silly women in the church. Number one, silly women that think God called them to preach. Say amen right there. Bless God, you Baptist. I don't care who you are. You're not going by the word of God when you lay your hands on a woman and let's say that she is to preach the word of God. That's abomination in the house of God. I don't believe there's ever been a pulpit big enough for a petticoat in it. Say amen right there. God, some of you getting off of Christ and come out and say, hey, preacher, I said you, but you know what you did? You say, but I know a woman, preacher. I know her too, bless God. And I can tell you how she ran off with a man, uh, a woman's husband out here in Iowa. And I can tell you where she moved to Old City, Pennsylvania. And I can tell you about a home she broke up in Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. If you want me to tell you after the service. And somebody said, hey, preacher. I'll tell you, God calls men, calls men the preacher, and brother God still wants men, and God won't have anything but men. Are you listening to me? Brother, we're living in a time and a day and an hour, and they say, well, we'll get, can you imagine your pastor being this so and so? Isn't that That's sad. Now, I realize some of you men are sissy as women, but bless God, some of you men are sissy, you wear high heel shoes. Say amen right there. But brothers, there's no place in the pulpit. It's to me. You listen to me? Somebody said, preach, I didn't know you were going to preach. I told you all week I was going to preach this rough. You better come. Oh, I'm not through yet. <laughs> we're getting right down to the nitty-gritty in a minute. And boy, we're going to get down to where we live and where we need and what God wants us to hear these abominations. Let me give you another abomination. They say, well, she'd make a good deacon. Now, me and let me tell you something. You'll have enough preachers. You'll have enough problem with me and deacons. And if you ever get a half and half, you like that cream I had out there for breakfast and my coffee, had, you ever get half and half, you're really going to have a mess on your deacon board. Brother, just as sure as your name's what it is. You ever get a bunch of women on the deacons, let me tell you something. You'll have the biggest mess you ever had in your life. I believe God sits for out men that are full of the Holy Ghost. And brother, that's the way it ought to be. God didn't say such out women. He said such out the men of the world. Amen. It ought to be that way. And it's sad when it's not that way. And then you get some woman in the class. And you say, that's what she wants you to say. She looks over to preach and gives them out old eyes and says, I want this in the preacher. Well, <laughs> the Lord's leading that way. No, he's not. Bless God. That old Jesse Bell's leading that way. That old Jesse Bell's leading that way. 
I want to tell you it's pitiful. Let me give you one other thing. Not just all some of you dying out. Uh, listen, but just as sure as my name's made. And brother, I'm telling you, that's a purpose. It says in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20. You want to read when you get home? Or it says in Jezebel, some of you suffer. That wicked woman, Jezebel, to cheat. Listen to what it says. And to, and to seduce. And he condemned. Having the wicked Jezebel. And it's pitiful, brother. I want to tell you what this is. Let me say one thing. You preachers have got a good wife. And our two preachers have a wife that takes her place. Hold up your hand. You better get down on the ground and kiss the ground. Because I know some preachers, brother, that have got Jezebel to live with. And hell is all over the place. And they can't preach. And they can't study. And they can't minister. Because their wife is a Jezebel. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. My wife is sitting. Uh, I'll give you a couple of illustrations. With me here in a preacher, I like it. But he did get pretty vulgar that. I don't like vulgar people. Now, brother, I don't like nasty, but I don't want you saying things in front of my wife. And I'm not going to say anything in front of your wife, nasty. I don't believe this fool is a place to talk about fish. This preacher was over fishing the one night. I was in the kitchen, I was sitting by my wife, and he got kind of dirty. My wife whispered, he said, man, can I get up? And can I leave? And I said, no. And the lady next to my wife said, Dobbs, you're not going to get up. A hundred people have already gotten up in that congregation. And God said, no, my husband said to me to stay here. And I don't like what he's, what he's saying, but I'm going to do what makes And I appreciated that. Before I got out, I apologized to my wife for what he said. But I said, God, I want to tell you that I appreciate this saying like I can do. He said, I believe that you're the head of the house and I'm going to do what you say to do. Brother, listen, I believe the preacher's wife ought to be in a subjection. I never will forget we were moving to Atlanta. And I didn't like Atlanta. I lived in Greenville, South Carolina. I just shouted up and down the aisle and hollered hoots. Had me a time. God said, you moved to Atlanta. And I said, God, I don't know about Atlanta. I went down to Atlanta and held a meeting. I picked up the Atlanta Constitution. Said it over there in the section. Said a house for sale. Being transferred to Chicago. Lovely home. Had it cheap. And I went over and looked at it. And I said, well, we'll take it. And the man said, wait a minute. Your wife had not seen it. I said, Mister, let me tell you something. I said, I got a good wife. I said, my wife will go anywhere I go. And she won't question the house. I tell her to move in. You said, preacher, when did you move in? Three weeks later. My wife didn't come over there anymore. You know, when my wife saw that house, when the big truck pulled up that day to unload her furniture, I said, there it is, sir. She said, it's not. I'm glad we're she didn't see it till that day. She didn't say, I don't want to move in that house. She didn't say, I got to see it first. She said, God told you to preach and I'll go with you. And I'll go with you. And I'll go with you. There's a place for women, but silly women are going to wreck the fundamental movement. As sure as your name's Number six this Sunday afternoon, there's a strange substitute for preaching. In the fundamental churches, it's abomination. Plain substitutes for preaching. Brother, nothing will take the place of preaching. Listen, fundamentalism is still too viable to believe in preaching. And brother, the fundamental church had better stick by preaching. You say, well, preacher, what do they do now? Who's your sheep? They get a cowboy. They get Mr. Funny Clown. 
Amen, I say. Don't you die on me. Brother in the earth, listen. In our fundamental church, they'll say we don't want to preach. You don't rock for singing with one and a half eye lights over here, two on this side. Bless God to get up there and squeal like a, oh, a mockingbird and do away with the preaching. We got to have a substitute for the preaching of the Word of God. And you can get all the crowns you want from the church. Bless God. I want to tell you something. God's going to judge you. This fool pits for preaching. Oh, fundamentalism is built on preaching and not crowns and cowboys and movie stars. Everything else from the Somebody said, Preacher, you were criticized. I told you I was going to preach on abominations in fundamental churches, brother. And as sure as you're sitting there, you know it. I don't you say, Well, I know so and so. I don't care who he is. You say, He's not a big church. I don't care if he has got a big church. God, he's on a close my mouth. We're going to send this thing all around the map. Bless God, I hope every one of you get one of these. Say, Amen. You say, well, they won't like it. <laughs> well, I got, <laughs> I got news for you. I'm not preaching so they'll like it. And I got news for you. I'm not preaching so you'll like it. I'm bringing this message. God put it on my heart. And I said, God, I waited and waited for somebody else to do it. But if they don't do it, bless God, I'll do it. That's the for preaching. Let me tell you something. There's nothing in substitute. You can get all that. And then I'll tell you what, son. You son of, you show a little picture show instead of having preaching. Say amen right there. Well, you, you're going to show us. You say what? Nothing takes a place of preaching. I'll get you now. Listen to me. And somebody say, well, you won't show up then. But we'll have a little play. And we'll dramatize everything. And do away with the preaching. Bravo, listen to me. Nothing, nothing. It's to do away with the preaching of the Word of God. Preach the Word. Brother, it needs to be done. Now listen to me. Give me something else. Don't look at anybody while I say this. Please don't. But if you can't, plays and films and and quit looking at them. Don't you look at anybody and I say this. And uh, <laughs> then you'll have a singing. <laughs> oh, yeah. You say, praise God. We'll just get a bunch of singing singing. And we'll sing it out. Instead of preaching it out. Brother, we'd better go to preaching it out. Are you listen to me? Abomination. In fundamental churches. Across this land. And this is I'm going to give you something. This is going to stir up. I mean, you can send it to him, too. You hear me? I'll pay for the record. They got so in many of our fundamental churches now, they don't want preaching, so they combine preaching in Sunday school and have one service so they can just teach a little and not disturb folks and have one little service. And you say, I want to tell you that's a trick of the devil to do away with the preaching of the Word of God. And brother, listen to me. I believe it's time for us to go in. And if you're going to do away with anything, do away with the sanctuary, but not the preaching of the blessed Word of God. That appreciate for us. That's the thing that's going to stand, and that's the thing, only thing that will stand in these days. But they say, preach that. We're going to combine our service in the morning. We ain't going to have no more that preaching. One of the biggest preachers in America, and I hope he gets this, said he didn't believe in revival. Said he's just saying revival. 
Well, I'll tell you, most of the people in this house, and you know it, were saved in revival campaigns. God has a time of reaping. The evangelist is God's love gift of the church. And brother, listen to me. You need the evangelist, and the evangelist needs the church, and we need to recognize. I want to tell you something. Doing away with the preaching sense. We'll put it all together and have one little church. And that's that satisfied some of you. Let's judge you what you want. You don't like a bunch of Indians anyway while I'm a preacher. And then want to get out and say, well, I'll tell you he's too long-winded. You know what's the man of you? You're so carnal and full of the devil and full of the world. I'm telling the preaching. Get under your hide. You want a benediction instead of a preaching of the word of God. You know I'm telling you that God, we need it. Somebody said, preacher me. Oh, there's right with an abomination. And these churches that are fundamental, they say we'll squeeze the preaching out. We'll just have a little teaching and we'll all go home in time so we can go out to see old Lake Sue or go to the graveyard and fall a bunch of tears or go to a Sunday afternoon singing, listen, listen, there's something wrong. Fundamental churches had better go back to saying the first thing and the most important thing above singing and above furniture and above everything is the preaching of the word of God in the most substitute for preaching. All right, that's abomination number six. Now here's abomination number seven. Abomination number seven is a strange spiritual deadness. And a fundamental, listen, if anybody ought to be alive, it ought to be a fundamental church. Oh, but you don't live. I'm going to tell you something now. You can puff up and get mad if you want to, but you listen to me. You can go in the average fundamental church in Greensboro, North Carolina. And the sound of it. You think you was in a funeral park. Oh, they get out and say, we believe in being filled with the Holy Ghost. And if God were to demonstrate himself around there, I want to tell you, it's uh, that fundamental crowd to run out the back door. Well, if somebody shouts, it's gathered out to today. And if somebody hollering, man, it sounds like a call boy down here at the train station. Now, in fact, 49, number 24, coming in right now. Amen. Why, it'd be pitiful. You know what I'm talking about. Some of these fundamentals. They cross that. You know I'm fundamental. Don't you come around here. And they cross every tree and dot every eye. And they say, well, you in here. And then still filled with the spirit. And you walk in there and nobody gets blessed. Nobody sheds a tear. Nobody ever gets lifted up. Nobody ever raises a hand. Nobody ever prays. God, let me tell you something, mister. That's abomination to go in a fundamental church. And the thing is dead at four o'clock in the morning. There's a strange deadness. In the, some of the fundamental churches, most all of them. If you please. Somebody said, preacher, you're really getting down. That's right. My Bible said twice dead and plucked up in the roof. <laughs> I want to dedicate that to some of you little fundamentals that don't believe in raising your eyebrow. You've never said amen. You've never raised your hand. You know what I want some of you folks to do? I want you to go home this afternoon and get in your house, lock the door, then go to the next room and lock that door, and then go to the back room and lock that door behind you, and cut off the light, stick up your hand, and see if it don't bless you. Have Be sure that your pride is not hurt. Be sure that nobody sees it. I want you to go back. Lift your hand up and see if God won't bless you. And see if it's not real. Let me 
something in our code. Jesus Christ is alive. Is he the head of the church? It is. Oh, because he lives. We live also. We're not saving a dead Christ. We're saving a living Christ. This is a living book. Woo! King James is still alive. Glory to God. This book is still alive. It walks, it talks, it's alive. Number three, God's people that really love him. It's dead out there. I doubt they've ever been saved. The letter of the law kill us, but the spirit quickens us and makes us alive. <laughs> Woo! That's a resurrection. That's power. That's a unity among the people of God. Brother, there's no spiritual explains dead is where God is. Well, you may not shout like me, but you'll have a shout in your soul. You may not clap your hands like me. But you'll have a shout in your soul. Oh, listen now, I'll be a spiritual dead man. Let me say this to my soul. We're going to England this year, the Lord willing. And I hope we do. I hope we get to go to England on our trip to the Holy Land. Somebody said, you want to go to Spurgeon's Tabernacle? I've been there. I don't make a difference. I'd like to go to John Wesley's place. You say, he's a method. That's right, but he loves God. Now I'd like to go out there like that old Negro preacher did years ago. They said there's a Negro preacher that came from America. He said he was sitting there with a tour. As the lecturer said, here lies the remains of John Wesley. That man that went across England lit the fires of evangelism. That man that made God alive in the hearts of people. That man that showed that God was evil. He said, here lies the remains of that man that made God alive to many people. And they started to disperse. And that old nigger preacher said, wait a minute. And he went over and fell across prostrate the grave of John Wesley and beat the ground. And he said, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again to this old black boy. Let people know that God's alive. Let people know that this thing's alive. Brother, it ought to be our prayer on this Our fundamental church is the only hope to have. And if ten years from now they go as far as they have in the last five years, I'm praying, men set up a standard. Men, be not conformed. Let's go back to the book. Let's go with God. Oh, let's not go with the world and the trends and the pads and the gimmicks. Let's go with Jesus. Let's stand for God. Fundamental. Fundamental. With your back. 